0: night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show, everyone. Great to have you along as we start our first live program for the week. Thank you for indulging the best of the BRR Classic last night. I'm finding that doing the political show three days a week, plus we did a Saturday version of the show this last weekend is very, very time consuming and I'm committed to making that show work. So I have to split my time a little more evenly and I'm trying to do that, but I appreciate you supporting whatever I'm doing, whether it's this program or the other program or both, thank you. A lot of folks from this particular show have made it over to the uh, political show, which, by the way, is called The Independence Gang. And you'll see Britt Griffith there with me. Plus, we have two revolving guests that uh, join us. So there's four of us on the show any given night, except for the special ones we do, which will be just Britt and I. But anyway, thank you for supporting that as well. I know a lot of you do that, and I appreciate it. It is very, very political, and it's very one-sided. Although I don't necessarily believe it's necessarily one-sided in the sense that it's just blindly one-sided. I think just we the group that we have on the program happens to think a certain way. But we we welcome people who disagree with us to join the show, use the chat room as a way to interact with us. And I'd love to have some of those conversations and interactions. That would be terrific. Anyway, we've got a really fantastic show for you tonight here. We'll be talking with Micah Dank. He's the author of a new series of books called... Uh, called the Into the Rabbit Hole series. The first of those books is called Beneath the Veil. That is available. I believe a few of the books in the series are currently available. We'll talk to Micah about all of that. But it explores astrology and hidden codes, plus what's real and what is possible in the way of politics, conspiracy, fringe medicine, history, language, and what it means to survive. Uh, Micah is also... um, very well versed in the concept of astrotheology, so we'll talk to him about what that means and how it affects maybe some religious views. Obviously, theology is part of the the word there, so we're, we are going to be talking about some religious ideologies here, um, and and it also uh, intersects with astrology. So this will be a fascinating conversation as well. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, thank you to everybody who's been resubscribing on the Twitch channel. I appreciate it. I know, uh, Amanda, you did very recently. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Uh, the Twitch channel right now is being used uh, for the Friday night show. And um, we're going to be introducing some other programming there as well. So that it'll be uh, you know more often than once a week on that Twitch channel. But if you use your Amazon Prime account to subscribe on the Twitch channel, there's no fee. And thank you for all those who are subscribing to the YouTube channel whether it's this one or the other show either way those numbers are growing and I I happen to notice I find I find it it's it's kind of a it's a bit of a joke but it's a very serious matter nonetheless uh somehow we've got been taken off the naughty list this show has been taken off the naughty list f- uh, on YouTube because all of a sudden We're getting uh, significant numbers of new subscribers again. And and as I told you before, uh, prior to the election, the presidential election, we had a few... People on the show who either expressed an opinion about that presidential election and it happened to be the wrong opinion, according to those making the decisions. And I'm probably going to get be sorry I'm even mentioning this. Or we had people on the show that had some contrary views about uh, the pandemic and the vaccinations and all these things. You know, we do present all sides here. We do present all ideas. We don't pre-select who we're going to uh, listen to and who we're not going to listen to. We let uh, the listeners decide for themselves who, it's, you know, who they believe and who, who they want to, uh, what theories they want to subscribe to. But either way, after that happened, we kind of got throttled back. We were getting something in the neighborhood of, you know, 100, 150 subscribers a month. And after we did that and we did those shows, uh, we basically fell to nothing or maybe one or two new subscribers a month. I mean, like overnight. This wasn't a natural attrition. This wasn't a natural evolution. This was an overnight change in our subscriber uh, acquisition. But it seems to have changed back to the other way. So I guess we we served our time in uh, in in the YouTube jail, and we are now back in its good graces. And again, I probably. We'll regret having said any of this because uh, as I watch the next few days, we may find out that we are back in that jail serving a second sentence. We'll find, we will find out as the days progress here. Anyway, um, so again, tonight we're going to be talking with Micah Dank. We'll be talking about his new book series called the Into the Rabbit Hole series and the first of those books, which is called Beneath the Veil. The other titles in the series are The Sacred Stones, The Secret Weapon, Pangea's Pandemic, The Hidden Archives and The Final Type. So there's a whole bunch of stuff to talk about here with Mike and I'm really really excited to do it. So we will we'll take a quick break here. We will get our uh, guest on the line, and once we do that, we can start talking about this stuff. It's beyond reality. We will be right back. Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon, and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app. And it's only not 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month, less than a dollar, goes a long way in helping us produce this program, provide great interviews for you during the course of the week. I thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program. We've got a great program for you tonight. Micah Dank will be our guest. He has written a book series. It's called the Into the Rabbit Hole series. The first of those books is called Beneath the Veil. Micah was born in Oceanside, New York, and from a very young age, he wanted to be a writer. He came from a family of writers and also media uh personalities as well. Um, He studied at SUNY Albany, where my daughter happened to go to school, actually, and he also studied at er, CUNY Hunter College in Manhattan. And uh, when he moved to Boston for a new job, that's when he became interested in esoteric sciences, including astrology and astrotheology, which is very prevalent throughout his book series and what we'll be talking about tonight. Micah, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's great to have you with us tonight.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So let's just kind of get a sense of what this book series is about before we begin our in-depth conversation so we kind of know what we're circling around here.
1: Sure, fire away.
0: No, give us an idea what the book series is about.
1: Ah, okay, no problem. So the book series is basically about, um, they're like Dan Brown thrillers. It's a six-book series. They're Dan Brown thrillers, basically. And they talk about things like astrotheology which is basically the mythology of the Zodiac and how it pertains to hidden codes within the Bible. And the characters, basically, they go through these traps and traipses where they have to discover these codes and figure out what it means and what they're going to do with them. And that's basically what it is. It's a six-book series based
0: on that. I tell you, there's nothing more fascinating, and I think the success of like the Da Vinci Code and and Dan Brown's other books and things like even National Treasure uh, with who Nicholas Cage, those types of mysteries that involve history and old documents and, uh, you know, some of these more mysterious things that permeate our culture. There's nothing more exciting than those types of tales.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. I actually just saw National Treasure literally this week for the first time. I saw the two movies.
0: Oh wow, good movie. I mean, I didn't. I don't even know if I saw the second one. The first one, I really, really did enjoy, though.
1: Yeah, the second one was was pretty good. I would suggest watching it.
0: I'll have to. I'll have to watch it and see if I because sometimes I've I've found that I, I will watch something and then completely forget that I watched it, and it isn't until like three quarters of the way through the film, and I'm like, oh yeah, I did watch this. Now I remember. <laughs> um so you used a word in there, and you kind of touched on what it means, but let's get a little more detail. What is this uh, word, astrotheology? What are we talking about here?
1: It's basically the um, it's the it's basically the mythology of the zodiac. It's what each sign is and what it signifies, and how you could find its codes within the Bible.
0: Okay, so this is This is astro I mean obviously astrology is something that we t- talk about when we reference the signs of the zodiac, but when you add the theology part of this, that's you're talking mm-hmm. specifically about how it connects to the Bible. exactly and um, as far as a science or a discipline, how long has astrotheology been something that people have been looking at?
1: Oh, it's been at least at least forty thousand years Oh wow. Um, There's something called the Lascaux Caves, which are a group of caves that they found in France. And what they did was they walked into the caves, they went into the back, and they noticed there were these murals on the wall of like lions and and bulls and uh, horses, among um, a ton of other animals. And everyone knows that in uh, astrology, uh, the bull is Taurus, the horse is Sagittarius, and the lion is Leo. So what they did was they brought in an astronomer with a computer uh, who was able to, with a computer program, rewound, rewind the sky back. First, what they did was they carbon dated the wall, and it came out to about like 40,000 years, plus or minus 5,000 years. And then what they did was they rewound the sky back to that time frame. And what they found was when they printed out what the star map looked like at the time and superimposed there over this, all the constellations lined up.
0: Okay, so if, but if we're talking about 40,000 years ago, we're not talking about the Bible. Or at least we're not talking about the New Testament.
1: Well, you're talking about that that comes much later on, but it's basically the same thing.
0: Okay, so when we talk about astrotheology and you said it, it goes back 40,000 years, you're talking about the source of the of the of the subject matter goes back that far or people were actually Making these connections between religion and these um, astrological the signs. Then, okay, I understand. The source, yeah. The source. When did they discover this? Ca- the the drawings in the cave and do the computer work to determine um, how significant this was.
1: To be honest with you, I think it was only ten, fifteen years ago. Oh, it no. might not even be that long. It was very recent.
0: Wow. Um, And when did you become interested in all of this? I mean, you've dedicated a good part of your work to this, and um, at some point it had to attract your attention, and and you developed an interest in it.
1: Yeah, about uh, in 2013, I moved to Boston for a new job. And I'm from Long Island initially in New York, and I moved to Boston for a new job. And when I moved there, you know, I didn't know a whole lot of people. And what I basically did was the girl that I was living with at the time we would like go out to dinner, and then we would come home. The iPad had just basically come out, so I would just sit on the iPad, and I would go down these rabbit holes, and I came across astrotheology, and it just really it started to blow my mind. So I basically just read up and studied everything that was out about it at the time, and then what I did was I started, when I really got a good grasp on it, I started decoding and doing my own work on it.
0: And what is the relationship between astrotheology? As, I, as we mentioned just a moment ago, the, the cave paintings, drawings are 40,000 years old, thereabouts, um, but obviously the New Testament is far newer than that. When did the connection between uh, the, the signs of the Zodiac and what we know to be the New Testament, when did that evolve?
1: Uh, well, basically, the Bible in its entirety including the books that are no longer in the Bible, like the book of Enoch, the book of Thomas, for example, uh, the book of Mary Magdalene, the book of Judas, all these books that were removed, uh, all of them are basically encoded astrology stories.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. What is—again, before we get too deep into this, what does this idea or these ideas do to people who are overtly religious or firmly believe in the literal uh, messages that the Bible uh, talks about?
1: Well, what some people do—I mean, some religious people just reject it outright, um, because the Catholic Church does have a Catholic Catechism, 2116, that says astrology is not to be believed. And that you are to owe oh, your devotion to God and God alone. You're, they actually use the phrase loving fear. And um, some people do that. And then others, it just strengthens their faith. Those who are faithful, they go, oh, this is just another layer to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to say off just out of hand here, and again, I don't know too much about this yet. I'm going to learn more as we talk tonight. But out of hand, I'd say if God was the creator of all, he created these stars that make up these um, zodiac signs in the sky. Therefore, uh, it could naturally be connected.
1: I could. Well, it could, obviously, but um, it's encoded. So it was written by humans, and then it was basically... Uh, encoded for people to discover. See, original original Christians didn't believe in the literal Bible. They were called Helionostics before 325 A.D. when Constantine united everyone uh, under literal Christianity. Before then, they were known as Helionostics, which literally means sun worshipers, because that's what it was. Basically, they're talking about sun worship.
0: Right, and, and one of the connections here that... Uh this discussion makes is that when we talk about the son of God, uh, you know, we're using the spelling S O N, but the, the translation here or the connection here is S U N, right?
1: Right. Exactly. And they're interchangeable, uh, over time. Um, you can see many of the churches nowadays, they call, they're called the son S O N of God, but some of them are the SU of God, and you could see these in in church billboards everywhere.
0: Is that something new? Because I've never noticed that.
1: No, it's 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 been around for quite a while. Oh, okay,
0: all right. Um, walk us through what these some of these meanings are, and you you talk about a code. Give us an example of how this code uh, displays itself, and then let's kind of look at these. Um, these astrological signs and give us some idea how they connect to this this story of uh, of the Bible that we've all learned to believe is literal.
1: Okay, well, I'd have to go through the the twelve signs and the information in it first. Okay. All right. So the sign Aquarius is the sign of the man with the water pitcher. Okay. So when they mention something like the Son of Man, they're talking about the sign of the man, which is Aquarius. It's the man sign also the water pitcher, so when you're—and he's pouring the water pitcher out, so when you're talking about something like a fountain, for example, um, that's what it would mean. It would mean something of that effect. And then Pisces is the two fish in the water, okay? So metaphorically, when Jesus was on the mound and he fed the masses with two fish, they're talking about the sun being in Pisces. It's a metaphor. Um then Aries is the ram, and in Aries you have March 21st, which is the spring equinox, 12-hour day and the 12-hour night. And it's also the uh, the metaphysical Passover, where God passes over uh, all the houses in Egypt and kills the firstborn sons of all the Egyptians who don't have the lamb's blood smeared on their door. Well, the lamb is just the baby ram. So that's Aries. Um, in astrology... The Passover is the sun passing over the equator and going back on its way up to the height in the summer solstice. It's the end of winter and the beginning of spring. And in Christianity, the passing over is changed, and it's called the resurrection of God's Son, S-U-N. And um, again, the Jews are the people of Aries, which is why the Jews smear the lamb's blood on the door. It's also why the Jews blow the ram's horn at the sky. That's why they blow the ram's horn, because it's Aries worship. Then in Taurus, you have the bull. And when you look up and you see Taurus in the sky, it's as above, so below. Um, You see uh, the bull in the sky. You know you have to put the plow on the bull on earth and uh, tow the land, or sow the land, so that you can um, get your harvest towards the end of the year. Then Gemini is the twins. It's the story of Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. It's the story of Achilles. Then Cancer is the crab. And uh, it's the sideways-moving creature. And uh, just as the... So what the sun does is every single day, starting December 25th, the sun rises a degree on its axis. Okay? It rises a degree on its axis every single day. So every day it rises an additional degree. And it gets warmer and warmer and warmer until it hits June 21st, which is the summer solstice, which is when the sun is at its height. And then what happens is for three consecutive days after that, the sun stays at that height. And then on June 25th, the sun drops a degree, and then it continues to drop a degree every single day until it hits December 21st, which is the lowest point the sun rises. And then it's that, that's when the sun was considered to be dead, because it was the lowest height of the sun. And then for three consecutive days after that, the sun stays at that low height. It doesn't rise a degree. So the ancients used to say that God's sun was dead for three days. And then what happens is, on, June, on December 25th, which is uh, obviously the birth of Jesus, the birth of everybody else, uh, Tammuz, the birth of um, Horus, the birth of Mithra... Of all these gods, uh, it rises another degree, and and it follows suit. It follows this pattern every year, in and out. And then the next side is Leo, whose the ruling planet. I'm sorry, whose ruling planet is the sun. So when they're talking about the sun being in its kingdom, that's what they're talking about. Um, or God's sun being in the kingdom, or the kingdom of heaven. It's a metaphor for the sun being in Leo. Then Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. So uh, before when I was saying that you plant in Taurus, now in Virgo you can harvest. It's the lady with the wheat stalk. So you look up, you see the lady with the wheat stalk in the sky, and you know that you have to have the virgins go out and cultivate the wheat in Virgo in order to make bread for the year. Then Libra is the justice. It's the scales. It's the balance. It's the just one. And the reason it's the justice is because it judges God's son as it passes over the fall equinox and begins its final descent into, uh, winter, into cold, into its death. And the Jews always celebrate the new year around the fall equinox. Um, and because Libra is also judgment, judging, that's why eight days after, um, eight days after the new year, Rosh Hashanah, the Jews have something called Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, it's the mm-hmm. day that um, they go to temple and fast all day and pray that God keeps them in the Book of Life. They're being judged that day. And it's also wine season. So when you plant the grapes in Taurus, you press the wine in Libra. So when they're talking about wine winepress or, or, or grapevine or wine or something of that effect, you know they're talking about Libra. If they're talking about justice, they're talking about Libra too. If you're talking about, you know, bread, they're talking about Virgo. Then Scorpio is the scorpion and he is the betrayer. So when a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like a pair of lips. That's the betrayal, okay? And it's also why the mafia has the kiss of death. And it's why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss, because there's 12 disciples, which line up to the 12 zodiac signs. And Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss, because that's the betrayal. And uh, so the sun is judged in Libra, and it's betrayed in Scorpio. And then finally in Sagittarius, that's where the man with the bow and the arrow on the horse shoots the sun, inflicts further punishment, and, and finally kills the sun. And Sagittarius has December 21st in it. Okay, which is the lowest day that the sun will rise. Okay, and then finally you get to Capricorn, which is the goat, because the goat likes to climb the mountain. And at the zodiac wheel, Capricorn's at the bottom of the wheel, so the sun starts the metaphysical, metaphorical climb up the zodiac wheel. And those are basically the 12 signs.
0: Wow. Um Okay, so I I don't know. I'm going to ask this question. I do not mean it to be disrespectful in any way. I just don't know anything about this, and you're introducing it to me for the first time. But um, everything you just described there, is that something that has been written about, studied, talked about, specifically as you described it for years, or is this primarily your work?
1: No, this is the ancient science. This is not my work. This This is the background behind my work. I see. This is the ancient science. This is this is what they used to know.
0: Wow! And you say, and you say there's a code. Um, is the code? How, how does the code come into play here? Is it is it these these hidden messages that you just detailed for us? Kind of interpreting uh, what's happening in the sky in a practical sense here on Earth, or is there something more? Well,
1: that's basically that's that's the beforehand. I mean, you can look at the names for Jesus, the different names for Jesus. Capricorn is the sign of the goat. He's known as the scapegoat of Israel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, Aquarius is the sign of the man. He's called the son of man. Pisces is the sign of the two fish. He's known as the fisherman of men. The ram in Aries, he's known as the lamb of God. In Leo, he's known as the lion of Judah. The lady holding the stalk of wheat, he's born of a virgin and he's called the bread of life. In Libra, which is the scales of justice, he's known as the just one. And then he, it's also why he's worshipped on the sun day that's the day of rest because he's the sun. that's why it's the sun day
0: so I know that um this work is also also uh helped guide you to write the um the series into the rabbit hole series of books um, but what prompted you specifically to write it? was it to tell some of these? Uh, s- stories, these ideas in a, in a fictional way to, to dra- uh, dra- dramatize them in some fashion?
1: Yes, that's exactly why. It's in order to uh, get this information out to people.
0: I mean as you tell this as you as you relate these details it, it you know it makes a heck of a lot of, a lot of sense. I'm I'm a Catholic. I'm you know I believe in the Bible. I don't believe it's entirely literal, but I certainly believe in the story it's telling. Um but these are some amazing uh, connections and certainly well beyond what we might have to say as coincidence.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean that's that's how I felt when I first Learned some of this before I started doing my own work on it.
0: Did you have any religious uh, preferences or ideas prior to starting to look into this?
1: I was never religious, no. I was never religious. Um, My parents were conservative, but I was never religious.
0: Hmm. And as you started to present these ideas, I'm sure you talk to people, and then as you start writing about them, I'm sure you're getting uh, reaction from people either that are religious or actually people that are members of the clergy. What kind of response do you
1: get? Um, don't really talk to the clergy, to be honest with you, but a lot of people are very open to these ideas.
0: Well, I, I, again, I think you know there's too much there for it to be just coincidental. So I find it very, very fascinating. Um, is is it okay is it safe to say if someone wanted to that yeah in fact what we're talking about here can uh, actually substantiate or help further uh support your faith
1: ah uh, i mean i don't see it that way to me I see this is <laughs> to me i see this as uh proving that it's an encoded book and that's all that it is okay but i'm i'm not one to tell
0: people what to take from Right, this work right right um okay so the book series is uh what is it five books long is that is, did i see that six. Correctly? it's six total okay um and i think three of them are currently out is that right Four, four, four. four are out now okay so that would be beneath the veil the sacred stones a secret weapon and um Pangaea's pandemic
1: that's right
0: okay all right so um you know, I, I, I see some notes here, too, that, I, that I'm just going to ask some questions from, because I don't even know what the questions necessarily mean, but I'm I'm assuming it's an important part of this tale. Who's Pam Reynolds?
1: Oh, no, that th- those questions have nothing to do with this. I can go into that, or I can continue to go oh, into I see some, some of, okay. Okay. of this uh, astrotheology. All right, yeah, well, let's
0: talk a little bit more about the astrotheology, and then let's go into this other stuff, too, because that looks interesting as well. So, okay. um, this... You said the cave paintings were forty thousand years old. It's the first example of this, I think, is is the point that we
1: know of so yeah. far. To be honest, it probably goes back further than that.
0: So these stories, this this whole passion play, if you will, this drama that plays out in the sky above us every year, um, is as old as mankind itself. Yeah, absolutely. And then you, the you assu- have
1: to understand they didn't have calendars, they didn't yeah. have watches, smartphones, clocks, or anything. The only way they knew what to do was to look at the sky. They didn't have clocks. You know, these people, uh, back then, all they could do is look up at a non-polluted sky and see the stars and track it. They had to know when winter was coming so that they could hide, so that they didn't freeze to death. They had to know when to harvest, when to plant. You know, it's a million things that that it tells you that I just went over. They had to know that, and they learned it through looking at the stars.
0: You know, you made a really, really excellent point just then. When you say they didn't have calendars, I, I think we are so used to be able to look at the wall and say, oh, it's October. We know it's going to get cold soon. Um, you know, we it, it seems like that's always been the way it, it has been. but. That's not true. They didn't have calendars. They had to judge based on what was happening in the environment around them. They didn't. Maybe they counted the days. I don't even know if they knew how many days there were in this cycle. But certainly uh, they needed some mechanism by which to determine what was happening. And that's the sky.
1: Absolutely. That's the point. Yeah.
0: So Absolutely. as the story is as old as mankind itself, um, what you're saying here, and part of what you're saying, is that at some point along the way, the people who now call themselves or, or who we now call the early Christians adopted the story for their own uh, uh, their own purposes.
1: Well, you got to understand, it's not just the Christians that did this. This has been adopted by... Um, <clears throat> this has been adopted by many religions this is actually the story based on all religions almost on the egyptian religion on the jewish religion on the christian religion on whatever religion is to follow if there is going to be another religion it's all based on this information because this is really the only story that they had so this is a story that they keep retelling in different ways
0: i have to assume again because i'm really only familiar with the the christian ideas here um, you know they, they took this. They took the story as you just as you just explained it from from the signs of the zodiac. They they mm-hmm. brought them into their own framework, and 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 as you're saying, they they created this biblical story that we all know. But at the same time, Micah, we know that archaeologists have uncovered things that uh, the Bible talks about, proving those things are actual actually historic and historical. Well, now
1: hold on a second. Yeah. They have not actually uncovered. Things of that nature. What they have uncovered is they've uncovered mentions of that. Okay. They haven't found things like the Ark of the Covenant. That's they haven't true. found Noah's Ark. They haven't found Solomon's seal. What they find is references to it that are aged. Okay, which you could find in a lot of day in a lot of stories that are there. But there's no archaeological evidence. You don't have any like bones from any of the biblical people. They don't have any of that
0: that's that's a good point and a good distinction to make um you know they have found what they believe to be are tombs of certain biblical figures um, right
1: because of the etchings on it right. right right but that that that's just a mention of it right there's no there's no hands- on proof of it
0: so when was the story co-opted for Christianity's sake was it at the time that was purported to be the time of Christ or was it several hundred years later when the Bible was put together
1: um Well, okay, so in the year year 70 A.D., well, let's start with 100 A.D. In the year 100 A.D., they had something called the Council of Jamnia, which was uh, a council with a bunch of politicians and rabbis. And what they did was, in 100 A.D., the Old Testament wasn't canonized yet, which meant the stories were out of order. They didn't have them put in order yet. So they came in to start to do this, but something interesting happened. That 30 years prior to that, in 70 AD, the Book of Mark came out. Okay, And the Book of Mark is the oldest gospel out of all four of them, right. by a few decades at least. And what they did was they had to decide whether or not to put this in the, new Test- in the Old Testament or create a brand new Testament. And that's what they did. They decided to create a brand new Testament, but that's still all astrology.
0: It's amazing, this is amazing stuff um so what is the implication then now i mean as you as you uncover this and you talk about the fact it's a bit of a code, um is there more to learn? is there more to discover
1: yeah, there is if I were to tell you the phrase pride comes before the fall right mm-hmm. you've heard right. of that before, sure right yeah, of course okay well what how do you define that
0: <laughs> um I'd have to say that you know your your ego gets to the point where it destroys you,
1: kind okay' of simple that's a simple way to say, it, but sure now, what is a group of lions called?
0: It's called the pride,
1: exactly now the pride that's a lion that's leo Leo's in July and August, that comes before the fall
0: <laughs> right,
1: okay, so that's how you decode something with astrology. Another example, in the book of Micah, which is my namesake, Mm -hmm. uh, he predicts that the Savior will come from a town called Bethlehem. Right?
0: Yep.
1: Okay. Well, Bethlehem in Hebrew is a combination of two words. It's bet, which means house, and lechem, which means bread. So the house of bread. Well, I just told you that the house of bread was Virgo, the virgin with the wheat stalk. So the Savior is going to come from a virgin. You see how they allude to that? Yeah. It's decodings like this that I write about that are based purely on the Zodiac, and that's all that I use to decode.
0: I, it's, it's fascinating stuff. So, again, the book series itself walks people through this in a dramatic way in a story right. to, and, and by telling a story, right? And, and if you have no knowledge of any of this, uh, they can pick up the first book. And start reading, and you walk them through it from start to finish. By the time they finish the series of books, they understand what we've been talking about here tonight.
1: It's, yeah, well beyond. Like I barely even scratched the surface so far.
0: Wow. I mean, it is—it's really cool. I want to. Um, I don't know how much time we need to dedicate to this other part of the discussion that we're going to have because some of these topics on this other list, too, are pretty fascinating. So I guess you tell me. uh, Do you want to talk more about this particular topic, or should we move on? I'll leave that up to you. Okay. Well, let's move on. If we we need to, we can come back. But um, I guess I I was a little confused as to exactly, you know, that these were two different uh, ideas that we'd be chatting about. So what's the second category that we're going to venture into? Just random things. Okay. All right. Well, then they who's just, then who's Pam Reynolds? <laughs> uh,
1: Pam Reynolds was a uh, she was a religious person. She was a musician okay. that lived in the South, and she is uh, famous because she has the most well documented near death experience. See, the thing about Pam Reynolds is what happened was she happened to be a um, a musician who had a tumor at the base of her brainstem, and at the time. They didn't know what to do with the surgery or how to do this because if they had just opened her up and took took it out, she would have bled out. So what they did was they invented this surgery where they basically put her on bypass. They drained all the blood from her head. They put clicking devices in her ear that would click, and what it would do is they would measure your brain stem to see if it reacts because if your brain stem reacts, then that means that when you cut into the tumor, it's going to start spurting blood. So they had to stop all blood flow. So they did that. They duct taped, they, well, not duct tape, but they taped her eyes shut so she couldn't see anything. And what they did was they performed the surgery. Now, while they're performing the surgery, she left her body, went up into the ceiling, and then looked down and saw the surgery being performed on her to the point where she described the bone saw that they were using perfectly in detail. She described one of the nurses talking about how her... Uh, her veins or her arteries were too small, so they had to invert something. And just all this stuff that she had to describe. So they brought her back. Oh, they also chilled her body down to about 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so basically, for all intents and purposes, she was dead. And they brought her back, and she explained it to everybody, and the whole room turned white. Now, usually when people go through near-death experiences, they're not as monitored or as closely as this is. So this is basically what happened to her, and um, she ended up dying uh, some years back, um, for good this time. And that was basically it. She was she it was just one of the proof that you know you continue after you
0: die. Wow, I'd never heard this story of Pam Reynolds. It's really a fascinating story, just based on what you just said.
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible.
0: Now, when they they taped her eyes shut so she couldn't see, does that mean that she was? not sedi- or not uh, under anesthesia during that surgery?
1: No, she was dead. They they she they were they They basically took all, the life all them. all the all the markings that we take for life. Okay? She had none of them. Wow. And they they taped her eyes shut and then they put clicking devices in her ears so she couldn't hear. And yet she saw and heard everything.
0: Fascinating story. Now, when you hear something like that and you see that kind of proof or hear that kind of proof that there is something beyond the physical life um right. what does it then do for you when you start talking about these religious ideas
1: uh yeah well i mean it, it it doesn't do much See, the idea is i always find it fascinating too that people take god uh as this being that judges you and and does that um if god is infinite mm-hmm. which is what everything's supposed to be, then, then there's no possibility that anything can exist outside of it, including yourself. So you are a portion of God. You know, you have the divine in you. In the Bible, it does say um, the kingdom of heaven is inside you. God is inside you. So, I mean, they, they allude to it, but people people take the story literally, and they think that there's someone watching them. Where, I mean, it might be, but you're not disconnected from it at any point.
0: There are are more and more people who are starting to uh, interpret God and religion the way you've just described it. That we are all Uh a spark in this larger energy that would be considered, um, you know, the universe or whatever, and God is all of it together.
1: That makes complete sense. Yeah.
0: Um, did, have you had an NDE?
1: I have not had a near-death experience, no.
0: Um, but have you studied them? Obviously, the Pam Reynolds story is something that you took an interest in. Have you studied them beyond that?
1: I have. There's a great book out there by a, 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 a retired lawyer from Australia called A Lawyer Presents the Case for the Afterlife. Okay. It was written by a guy named Victor and It's hands down the best book out there. He doesn't talk religiously. He's a lawyer, so he presents a case for the afterlife, and he puts all this information in it, and he talks about NDEs and the story of Pam Reynolds and like a bunch of other things as well, too. And it's incredibly convincing.
0: So um, is there a connection between NDEs and DMT?
1: There can be. Um, DMT, for people who don't know what that is, is dimethyltryptamine. And it's a chemical that is, um, secreted by your pineal gland, um, well, uh, twice in your life. The first time is while you're in heavy REM sleep. Mm-hmm. So while you're dreaming, this is being pumped into your body, which people have connected to, um, why you dream. And then the second one is, uh, as your body's shutting down, as you're dying, your body is flooded with this. That's where you get the, the, the near-death experiences from. If you're brought back from it, you know, you come back from it, you have memory of it sometimes. Um, the Egyptians knew about this, the Eye of Horus um, that they have. Uh, the drawing of the Eye of Horus represents this. It represents the pineal gland. So the, eye is based, so the pineal gland is named the pineal gland because it looks like a pine cone. And if you look around the world at the world of religions, I mean, the, the Vatican has something called the Church of the Pinecone. Uh, the scepter of the Pope has a pinecone on it, and they know this because that's what this is from. And they, um, they have this the pineal gland, which is represented by a pinecone, in the eye of Horus. The eye of Horus, you have the pinecone, and then the brow ridge above it, the eyebrow ridge, is the corpus callosum in your brain. So the ancients knew that this was a very sacred uh, gland. It's also known as your third eye. Mm -hmm.
0: So again, I find this fascinating, what you just said. So DMT is released by your pineal gland or pineal gland um, and two sets of circumstances. One is at night when you're dreaming. Right. And the other is upon death. Correct. In your last few moments. Correct. It's it's astounding, really. I mean, um, it's so. Is is that particular uh, action by the body? Is that? Um, are you suggesting that it it's making your mind do things at the time of death that make it appear like you're having other? Uh, Uh, experiences or
1: well I'm saying that it's a connection it's a portal to higher dimensions higher realms okay yeah Uh, you know string theory talks about uh, 11 dimensions plus time which is the 12th Uh, or time which is the 4th but time is the additional dimension the rest are non-physical planes of existence and basically you ascend to each of them See, basically, on the third dimension, we're the fallen. Okay, so the, the metaphors of all the angels falling they were us. Metaphorically, we fall. And we, we wake up on the third dimension with nothing, and then we evolve as we learn things, and then we grow, and then we die, and then we move on to another dimension, and you continue to learn new lessons, and then you continue to get back up, and the idea is to get all the way back up.
0: This this work is really is very interesting to me. And, and the way you're describing it and how you're outlining and making these connections is making me think of things a lot differently than I've thought of them before. Um, and I guess I mean, that's the point, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the idea. Yeah. Look, I'm not telling people... I'm not telling... If this, for if some reason, this of of stuff strengthens your faith, that's... I mean, I can't tell you what it does or doesn't. It doesn't do that for me. It does other things for me, right? You know, but I'm, I'm willing to, you know, I'll take anything. <laughs>
0: um, you've also done some work looking at, um, Einstein and Edgar right. Casey. Um, let's talk about them a little bit. What, what, um, what's their, uh, 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 is there a connection between the two of them or did they work in the same way? What's your interest in them?
1: Well, Einstein basically, for the simple purpose is that he used to say that when he would think about something or try and figure something out, the answer wouldn't come to him. But when he cleared his mind and he was just void of thought, he said it was like he was getting a download. The answer would just come to him. Right. And that's how I feel a lot of things are. Um, Edgar Casey was the sleeping prophet. What he used to do is he'd put himself in self-hypnosis and he would give readings. He's one of the original channelers. And he um, he would tap into something called the Akashic Records, which is basically a metaphorical book that basically contains every thought, action, and intention of every human that has ever lived. And this sort of ethereal book that could be accessed if you knew what you were doing. And that's what he would do when he would give readings about Atlantis or he would give readings about other people and they're, uh, they're deceased or what they were doing. Uh, that's what he would tap into.
0: And you're suggesting that Einstein did the same thing when he would clear his mind instead of searching for an answer but let it come to him?
1: Simple yeah. I mean, like what when I was writing my series, there came a point where I had it outlined and I knew what I was doing, but then I started typing, and it was kind of like I was just a conduit for what was coming out. You know, I was just... I was just receiving downloads, and then just typing and writing, and then the stories would change. I would have it outlined, and then suddenly the story, the end of the chapter, was way different than what I had initially set out to be. And I was like, all right, so I guess we're doing this now. So then I would just have to rewrite it. You know, it just, things changed, you know?
0: And, and you're suggesting as well that it was it was being somewhat downloaded to you from the Akashic records or another source. You know, you're not the first writer that has, that has said something like that to me. Um, That seems to be a a trait or maybe even a quality of, um, of some people who sit down to write if they, they kind of clear their minds and open themselves up to this, and, and, and it kind of funnels through them. It kind of works its way through them. I'm not going to give them take away the credit for the work of those folks right. or you, because obviously you did the work. But at the same time, that you're accessing something on a higher level. It seems.
1: That's the idea,
0: yes, sir. Wow, and you you take these ideas and put them in the books as well?
1: Oh yeah. Everything that we've talked about tonight is in the books.
0: All right, so how does this, how does the Akashic Records and what we just talked about with Edgar Cayce and, and Einstein connect to the uh, astrotheology that we were opened the conversation with tonight?
1: I don't think it does. Okay. My books are a combination of astrotheology and all this kind of esoteric stuff. I kind right. of... Mishmashed everything together into a storyline.
0: What about the pyramids? You have uh, an idea of what you think the pyramids were built for?
1: Yeah, the pyramids were energy machines. Um, before you think that sounds too crazy, you have to understand that the pyramids were entirely cased in a white stone. That's right, and and they had a uh, they had a capstone at the top that was either made of pure gold, um, or some other type of material that is not from this earth. Um, and they were energy devices. And the pa- the capstones have since been removed. And my second book is just a story about what I think happened to them. Um, but the pyramids are interesting because there's a farmer in the south that basically put a pyramid on his land. Uh, he was a farmer. And what he found was the, the things that he planted that were in the pyramid, grew four times as fast as the stuff outside the pyramid.
0: So the pyramid was translucent?
1: I'm not sure if it was translucent. I don't believe it was. No, it wasn't. It wasn't translucent. It was just a plain old pyramid. made out f- a limestone. Okay. And the stuff inside it grew four times as fast.
0: Wow. Uh, this was a farmer in the south of the United States? Correct. Oh, I haven't heard about that either. Um, I mean, a lot of, you know, there there are people that suggest that the, the pyramids were, in fact, you know, some type of communication devices, or they were, uh, as you mentioned, you know, a power source of some fashion. Um, to power what?
1: Uh, well, that's kind of the topic of my second book. Okay. Um, um, can't really get into it, but basically, communication devices, and free energy devices, yes. That's what they were. You have to understand, too, is the pyramids are also, and it's also astrology and astrotheology, because the way the pyramids were built line up perfectly with Orion's belt.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we all know that Nikola Tesla was working on ideas that would be similar to what you just described for power generation in terms of the pyramid. Was, were those the same concepts he was working on?
1: Yeah, he would get downloads, too. But he was a little more extreme on that fact. Like, he, he died a virgin. He was never married. He never had a girlfriend. He said it took away from his work. Wow. So he, he just dived into it his whole life. He dedicated it to humanity. And then look at what it ended up getting him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the shaft. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to click through some of these other things uh, because we're going to run out of time here. But what's acoustic levitation?
1: Acoustic levitation is basically um, it's how the pyramids were built. See, what happens is uh, it works with sound waves. See, so you can go to YouTube and you can um, look up acoustic levitation rocks, and they have these flat rocks and they're on a surface, and what they do is they pump these sound waves under it. And then what happens is they just lift into the sky like tinker toys, and that's how they did the pyramids. They used to master this. And then it would just float in the sky, and maybe able to move it. That's how they used to build it.
0: Wow! Does the name um, I think it's Ed uh, Leedskelman, mean anything when it comes to that?
1: I, I'm not familiar with that name. Uh, right. how,
0: how about Coral Castle? Nope. Okay, so um, I'm just curious because Coral Castle is a is a rock formation. It's a complex uh, mishmash of rocks that are far too heavy for someone to lift built by a man who had no power tools and the mystery all along it's in florida the mystery oh all along, is
1: this is this the guy that had the youtube video of how he was able to lift the monolith
0: i don't know about the this guy did this back in the early part of the 20th century so there, he wasn't making videos but um, was it
1: a monument it was like a monument to his dead wife or yes something? yes yes okay then i have heard of him yeah
0: yeah and you know the mystery of of how he built these things with multi-ton stones that he and he had no power equipment to do it with um i'm just wondering have you seen any connection between acoustic levitation and and maybe the building of coral castle
1: um i I have not seen that because i I know that coral castle was kind of uh kept under wraps until it was done right um and then he never explained how it would get done which kind of sucks
0: yeah he didn't um, yeah he did he kept it a secret
1: yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was it.
0: Interesting, yeah. I mean, one of the theories is that he had some kind of alien technology or something, but, um, I mean, this sounds as plausible as anything else that I've heard, so that'd be interesting. Um, what about crystal technology? What are we talking about with crystal technology?
1: So crystal technology is basically uh, the—so Edgar Cayce, to bring it back to him, he was, in one of his readings he talked about how Atlantis fell into the sea because they overcharged the crystals— and crystals used to be energy devices. First of all, if you take a crystal, you have to understand it's neither solid nor liquid. It just vibrates at a higher frequency. That's why it has the appearance of, but you do things with it. Like you charge it outside in the sun and it's like a, a jet pack. It's like, I mean, it's like a, a a battery pack. It just recharges the thing and fills it with energy. And um, they're very powerful, these crystals. And then, What they recently did, maybe 10 years ago, maybe a little less than that, is they, well, maybe 10 years ago or so by now, um, they were able to embed a movie in the crystal and extract it and play it somewhere else. Oh, wow. So basically, a crystal is, whereas we have silicon-based chips right now, you see a picture of, like, the 5-megabyte Giant. thing yes. uh, <laughs> yeah. They they load it onto the thing, and yeah. now we have like terabyte drives that are the size of a thumb. Yep. Um, yeah, but a crystal blows that away. Like the storage on a crystal is insane compared to that, and crystals are going to be the new uh, computer processors as soon as we learn how to reharvest that energy and they tell you about it. You have Superman, he goes in the cave of crystals. They tell you about this in 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 the movies. That was in the 70s. Right. So they've known about this for quite a while.
0: I mean, I know people that buy crystals as, you know, wearables uh because of the energy. What kind of energy can it have on the human body?
1: Uh jeez, any uh, just basically it can clear uh ailments. It can clear ailments depending on what you use it for um it recharges your being it makes your aura stronger It's just a million different things that it could do
0: and what is a crystal made of is it silicone is it um is it is it glass
1: well, I mean most of them are, a lot of them are quartz,
0: quartz. and a lot That's of them the are just
1: different minerals about. and materials right but they're again they're neither solid nor nor uh, liquid; they they just vibrate high, extremely high frequency. So they have the appearance and the feel of being solid.
0: Right. And and so they sound like they are uh, the battery, and I don't mean that just in an electrical sense, but I mean as uh-huh. in a storage of energy sense uh, of the yeah. future.
1: That's exactly right. Wow. Well, technically, of the past because we right. have this technology.
0: Right. Right. Um. So the last thing we're going to chat about here before we circle back is uh, mind control, particularly or specifically the CIA's involvement in mind control. What's happening here?
1: So that's basically the the plot of my first book. There's something called NK Ultra, which uh, I actually just did a two-part series with Richard Syrett from Coast to Coast on this. Oh, cool. Um, It's basically... MKL is basically the mind control uh, that they used to do in the sixties. Basically, giving people acid and 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 just just it's the idea of creating a split personality in someone that could be that could be manipulated. Because a split personality has a blank slate, and once you've created that, you can get them to do whatever they want. They do the thing, then they revert back to their original personality and have no clue of what they've done.
0: Are we sure they're not doing that still? No, they are. They are doing it still. Yes. Absolutely. That's a scary proposition.
1: hmm They still do it in, like, the military, for example, to make super soldiers. Yeah, they still do that stuff.
0: And you said this is the, the, the subject of your first book. When you say the first one, do you mean the first in this series? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's, let's go back to the book series again. You said the first four are out. There's five. Correct. And there are f- six total?
1: There's six total.
0: Do you, did you start thinking there were going to be five and then had to expand it to six?
1: Um, I started out with one. <laughs> and then it became a trilogy. Uh-huh. And then it became a six book series.
0: I see. Because I, I thought I saw somewhere that it was a five book series. So that's why I was, I was asking that. So are they, are they when, you, when they're as a series, are, does one lead into the other or are they standalone as well?
1: No, they all lead into it's a series, literally. Okay. So you start at one, then you move to two, it's a long storyline.
0: Right, um, you know, and as you said, um, you don't need any prerequisite knowledge uh, to begin reading the series. And again, the first book is called "Beneath the Veil." This is something that anybody will be able to understand and read and enjoy. Absolutely, terrific! So, where can people get the
1: books? You can go on Amazon. You can go to you can look up uh, "Into the Rabbit Hole" or search my name, Micah Dank. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook at Micah Dank. And if you reach out to me, I also sell author copies. A lot of people in this kind of community don't like giving their money to Bezos and Amazon. Yeah, for sure. So I sell author copies signed directly from myself.
0: Nice. And when do you expect uh, books uh, five and six to be released?
1: Book five will be June 15th.
0: Okay.
1: And book six will be September 15th.
0: Terrific. All right. Um, Micah, thank you for, first of all, enlightening me on much of this that we talked about tonight, because it was my mm-hmm. first exposure to much of it. And I find it very, very interesting. And thank you for your work. I mean, this is, this is a bit of a yeoman's job here, uh, you know, plowing through this stuff and, and decoding and translating and then putting it into a book form so more people can enjoy it. But thanks so much for everything. edwards at gmail.com